our being. I want you to join me today. We're continuing in our short series in Revelation. I want us to look at Revelation chapter 5 today. Revelation chapter 5. In the first study, we, we noted that the book of Revelation is about the revelation of Jesus Christ. It reveals us, it reveals Jesus to us in a powerful way, in His glory, in His might. And we also noted that the book of Revelation speaks to churches and that Jesus is in the midst of the churches and the pastors of the church are in, in His hand. He's there. And we talked last week about the hindrances of the enemy that comes and tries to take out the church. And we are the church. Well, today I want to talk to you about the ultimate scroll. The ultimate scroll. Now, a scroll is an ancient form of collecting writing. They were normally written on papyrus from Egypt. And a, a page, a single page of papyrus would be about 8 inches wide to about 10 inches long. Similar, close to, to what we have today on our paper. But then when they would have more than one sheet, they would connect them and they would be very long. And in order to store them or to carry them, they would roll them up. And, and that was a scroll. And today I want us to look at the ultimate scroll of history. So let's look at chapter 5 of this ultimate scroll. A scroll is biblion in the Greek. And the, the scroll of Revelation, the book of Revelation, is actually about 15 feet long. We know that from archaeological discoveries of uh, the book of Revelation that have been found. And when they roll them out, they're about 15 feet long. But I want us to understand the power of this scroll, the significance of this scroll. Because without understanding what this scroll means, the book, book of Revelation won't be easily understood to us. It's, it's a central focus point in the book of Revelation. And I'm just going to go through this uh, verse by verse today in the fifth chapter. And I, and I pray that it will come alive to your heart. Look at verse 1. John writes, and I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne. First of all, I want you to note who's, ha, who has control of the scroll. It's God the Father. It's in his right hand. And notice that it says that the scroll is written inside and on the back. Now that was unusual. Normally, a scroll would just be written on one side, but this scroll is written on the top and the bottom, on the front and the back. And that's important. And to understand that a little better, I, I want to uh, look at a verse that's found in Zechariah. Zechariah chapter 5. Zechariah had a vision as well of a scroll. And, and, and most scholars believe it's a picture of the, the same scroll that it's speaking about in the fifth chapter of Revelation. But look at what it says. In Zechariah chapter 5, verse 1, it says, Then I turned and raised my eyes and saw a flying scroll. And he said to me, What do you see? So I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits, 
and its width is 10 cubits. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth. Every thief shall be expelled according, now listen to this, according to this side of the scroll. So he's talking, it seems very evident that he's talking about the same scroll and he's talking about this particular side. And every perjurer shall be expelled according to that side of it. I will send out the curses, says the Lord of hosts. It shall enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name. It shall remain in the midst of this house and consume it with its timber and stones. Now I want you to notice two things in Zechariah's prophecy concerning this scroll. Two things are going to happen. When, when this scroll, the curse is unleashed, it's going to expel what the Bible here calls the thief and the liar. Now does anybody remember any other part of Scripture where that sounds familiar? Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy, right? But he said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Who is the thief that's going to be expelled because of the curses going forth? It's Satan. He's also called the father of lies. And, and those two things are mentioned here by Zechariah. So when we look at the scroll in the fifth chapter of Revelation, we need to understand this. This is powerful. God's judgment or curses are unleashed on this world to bring about the ultimate freedom, the ultimate deliverance of God's people and this planet. How many like that idea? Amen? Let's go on and look at verse 2. Then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice. He continues, who is worthy to be opened, to open the scroll and to loose its seal. What I want us to see here, it's as if John, John is looking throughout history. He's looking at thousands of years of history on this planet. And he's, he has decided that he can't find anyone. No one has risen up. No one has come to be the Redeemer. And in the very next verse, John begins to weep because he hasn't found anyone that has come to be the Redeemer. Look at verse 4. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. Church, I want us to understand there has never been anyone in this world that could free this world from the sin and the destruction and the bondage that has come because of sin. No one was able to do that except our Jesus. Amen? Look at verse 5. But one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose, loose its seven seals. I want you to notice. <laughs> John says here, but there is one. The angel says, oh wait, here, look. 
the lion of the tribe of Judah. The lion of the tribe of Judah and the root of David. The lion of the tribe of Judah speaks of of ultimate victory, uh, uh, of power and strength. And in the root of David speaks of the fact that the Messiah was going to be a descendant of David. And Jesus is a descendant of David. Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. And you can just hear him roar right now. Hear the roar of his voice that's greater than any noise that's in the world today. Amen. Hear the lion roar. The roar of victory. Hallelujah. Now I want you to notice something else. It all, look at this verse 5 again. It says, the line of the tribe of Judah and the root of David has prevailed. There had to be a prevailing act in order for him to be worthy to have the right to undo the seals on the scroll. What was that prevailing act, church? It was the cross, the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. That was the prevailing act. Jesus left the glory of heaven. He came to this earth, church, and He died for our sins. He died so that that judgment could come and rid this world of the sin and the effects of it. Are you thankful for that prevailing act today? Church, no one else committed that prevailing act. No one else did what Jesus did. It wasn't Hare Krishna. It wasn't Reverend Moon. It wasn't Allah. It wasn't any prophet of any other religion. It wasn't any system or philosophy. It was Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. He is the only one that is worthy to open the scroll and to break the seals. Oh, come on, church. Hallelujah! There had to be a prevailing act. Look at verse 6. And I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though it had been slain. Jesus here is pictured as a lamb, a lamb that was slain, that was sacrificed. Having seven horns, the number seven speaks of completion and perfection in God's Word. Horns have to do with the strength of animals and it speaks of strength. So it speaks of perfect power and strength. The one who has perfect power and strength is the Lion of the tribe of Judah. It's Jesus. And then it speaks of seven eyes. Seven again is the the number of perfection. So the eyes have to do with wisdom and understanding and knowledge. So it's saying that the Lamb of God, Jesus, has perfect wisdom, understanding, and knowledge today. If you need wisdom and understanding and knowledge, come to Jesus. Ask Him for wisdom because He's faithful to give us wisdom if we ask for it. Then it says, which are the seven spirits, seven again, the perfect Holy Spirit of God, sent out into all the earth 
Church, the Holy Spirit is in all the earth. The Holy Spirit is moving right now. He's moving right here in the church. He's moving in your home. He's moving around the earth. He doesn't matter where we are. You could be in Antarctica today and the Holy Spirit's there moving. You could be in the Amazon, in the jungle, in a canoe, in going down a river, and the Holy Spirit is there. He's right here, right now. The Holy Spirit of God is still moving in this earth. Amen. In church, we need to be welcoming the Holy Spirit to move. Spirit of God, come in power, come in might. Move, move, move. Amen. We need the Spirit of God to move like never before. Lord, we welcome your Spirit. In verse 7, Well, I want, to, I want to stop for a minute and go back to verse 6 where it says, The picture here, Jesus comes forth as the Lamb who was slain. He prevailed to take the scroll by beating Satan. He was slain. There's another verse. It's in Daniel chapter 7 that gives us that picture. And I want, to, I want to read that to you. It's in Daniel chapter 7, verse 13 and 14. I want you to picture with me being there, seeing this awesome event of Jesus, the Lamb of God, coming and Him being worthy to take the scroll. Some Bible scholars say that the scroll is the title deed to the earth. But we see in this passage it speaks of God's will for creation, His desire, His purpose. But look at Daniel chapter 7 verse 13. Daniel writes, I was watching in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought Him near before Him. Then to Him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve Him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away. And His kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed. Hallelujah! Don't you love that passage? That picture of the Son coming and receiving the scroll because He has completed what needed to be done so that the scroll could be opened and God's judgment could come. Church, God had a plan for this earth, but it failed because of man. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, it says, Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over. Listen to that. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over every living thing that moves on the earth. Dominion is key in this passage because it is God's will from the beginning that man would have the responsibility of governing this world without the hindrance or the presence of sickness and disease and death and evil. That was God's plan from the beginning. Hallelujah! That's how God designed it. That's what He wanted for us. He didn't want us having to deal with COVID-19. 
That's not what he created. That's not how he designed it. But he designed it for man to rule as man submitted to God. That God that God would rule in his life and rule through our lives. And that is the picture that we're given. But man fell. Man fell into sin. Man believed the lie. The lie of the devil. And we forfeited that dominion. But church, if you're, if you're not living for the Lord right now, you can make a commitment to Him this moment. If you're watching somewhere else in the world today, and the Lord has just brought you to this page, you don't even know why you're watching. I want to assure you that there is a plan for your life and it doesn't include the bondage and the death and the decay of sin in this world. God's plan is greater for your life and you can have an abundant life through Jesus Christ. You can have victory in this world right now. You don't have to wait until you die and go to be with Him if you've committed your heart and life to Him. You can have an abundant life in Christ right now. Can you say amen to that? Let's go on in this great passage of Scripture. Verse 7. Then he came and took the scroll out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now I want you to notice, right after that, what happens? There's extravagant, uh, just a, a breakout of worship and praise for the Lord. Listen to this. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. Notice in this, in this verse, church, that in the midst of the judgment that's coming for righteousness, to prevail and be established in this, in this earth once again, worship breaks out. Church, you need to understand that when God's judgment comes, it's always an instrument of deliverance. We need to understand that. When we read the book of Revelation and we see the, the judgment of God coming, we think, how can God do that? Is God angry? Is He vindictive? Is He just getting even with mankind? And church, I want you to know, that is not God's heart. God's not vindictive. He's not trying to get even with man. God brings judgment so that evil can be wiped out and overruled and so that we can enjoy the rule of God. He's going to restore this earth one day. Hallelujah. And that's what's pictured here. Also notice that the golden bowls full of incense, and it tells us what the incense is. It's the prayers of the saints. Now the saints are those that trust in Jesus. You are a saint if you placed your faith and trust in Jesus. I am a saint today. We are all saints according to Scripture. It's referring here, not just a small group of people, but it's everyone who's committed their heart and life to Jesus. Look at verse 9. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain 
and have redeemed us to God by your blood. The theme of the blood of Jesus is going to be something we're going to sing about throughout eternity. It is a focus. It is what cleanses us and empowers us and enables us to have that right relationship with God and to live in the victory and the power of God. So praise is breaking out, broken out because of the great work of redemption that Jesus accomplished. Now look at the last part of that verse. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. I want us to think about that for just a moment, church. Out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Because throughout history, church, we've, we've seen mankind in its, at its worst by being prejudiced. One group is different from another group. We may not have the same culture. We may not look exactly the same. The shade of our skin may be different from someone else's skin color. And throughout history, we've taken these things, these little differences, and we've built up walls, and we've said, I don't, have, I don't want to have anything to do with them. Well, Scripture tells us that in the great throne room of heaven, there are people gathered around the throne from every tribe, every tongue, every people, every nation. Prejudice does not have a place in the church of Jesus Christ. Now you may have been wounded, you may have been hurt by someone of a different culture, different nationality, different skin color. But that is no reason for you to prejudice against that group of people. The Bible says that we are all of one blood. Amen? We are all one race, the human race. And when the church begins to live that out in front of the world, the world will recognize that Jesus is Lord, when they begin to see that love of God manifest in our lives one for another. And I'm thankful that right here at Summit, we have various different cultures, various different shades of skin color, and we all love one another. We're one family in Jesus, and we all love Him and love one another. Amen. Now look at verse 10 with me. John continues and he says, And have made us kings and priests to our God. And we shall reign on the earth. Listen to that. Church, he's getting back to what we talked about in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God wanted us to have dominion or to rule this world. Here it says that he's made us kings and priests to our God. What is a king? A king rules. We are little kings under the big king. Amen? And God intends for His rule to come into our life and to rule our life and to rule through our life and to rule this world. That was God's design. And He's also in that passage calling us priests. What do priests do, church? Priests worship and they lead others to worship. Amen? And that's God's call for our lives, to live under that rule. And I want to ask you right now, church, is there anything in your life 
that is ruling your life, trying to master your life, trying to have control in your life, and you know that thing is not of God. If it is, you need to bring that to Him and say, Lord, I repent for allowing this into my life. I renounce that. It's not of God. I reject it. I don't want it in my life. And Lord Jesus, I release that thing to you right now. I welcome the rule of God to come because I am a king under the king of kings. And I'm going to let his rule come. And his rule is going to flow through my life. And I'm going to be a worshiper. Church, if you are a Christian, you've committed your heart and your life to the Lord, I want to ask you right now, do you struggle with worship? Because if you struggle with worship, something's not right. Revelation is a book of worship. When, the, when, we, receive, when we see the revelation of Jesus and all of His glory and power and might and all of His grace and mercy and love, Guess what, church? We can't help ourselves but be drawn to worship. And so today, if you're struggling with a desire for worship and you just don't get excited about worship, I want to pray for you right now. Lord Jesus, whatever's hindering in the area of worshiping you and being excited about worshiping you and being spontaneous in our worship, Lord, I just pray that you would heal that. Lord, that you would remove that. And Lord, that we would be the priests that you've called us to be. And we would worship you in spirit and truth. And lead others to worship you. Fathers, you're the priests of your home. And as priests, you should set an example of worship before your children, before your family. And you should teach them and train them we're going to be a family that's not ashamed to worship the Lord our God. Amen. In verse 11, John continues, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne. The living creatures and the elders and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands. I want you to see this spectacle around the throne of God. It's overwhelming. It's extravagant. The number of, of beings that are there, not only those that are redeemed, those, the elders and the, the four living creatures and all the angels, we're gathered together, and the number is so great, it's uncalculable. We, we can't figure out how many there are. What a glorious scene that is. Church, get ready, get ready, get ready, because we're going to be in that number. We're going to be gathered around the throne of God. We're going to experience that. What a day that's going to be. Hallelujah. Gathered around the throne of God. Tens thousand times ten thousand and thousands of thousands of angels and the four living creatures and the 24 elders and all of us the saints we're going to be worshiping him one day together oh listen, listen to what we're saying worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing <laughs> Hallelujah. And finally, in, look at verse 13 and 14. 
and every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to Him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. I love that picture. I want you to notice just a couple of things. Not only are we going to be worshiping and praising, but all of creation is going to be joined together. Right now, Scripture tells us that this earth is groaning. But one day, we're going to be joining together with the rest of creation, and we're going to be worshiping our Creator with all that we are. Also notice in verse 13, this is the first time in Revelation where the blessing and honor and glory and power has been spoken of not only to Jesus, the Lamb of God, but here it says, be to Him who sits on the throne. So worship here is now God the Father on the throne and Jesus, the Lamb of God. And we're all coming together and worshiping them. And finally, in verse 14, the four living creatures appear again and the 24 elders and it, say they, it says they fell down and worshipped Him who lives forever and ever. Church, you're going to live forever. You're going to live forever. And you're going to have a different body one day according to Scripture. But I want you to know you're an eternal being. And because of the choices that you make, you're either going to be in this scene with the Lord one day, or you're going to be separated from Him for eternity. It's the choice that we make in this life right now. Whether we surrender all, just like at the very end, in that last verse, verse 14, we see the, the, the 24 elders falling prostrate before the Lord. That's total surrender, total worship. Lord, here I am. All that I am is Yours. Lord, I lay it all down before You. Lord, have Your way in my heart and in my life. Lord, I want to worship You with all of my life, with all that I am. And I want to invite the worship team to come. But I want you to think about that today. Have you surrendered like the 24 elders? Saying, Lord, here I am. Take all of me. My life belongs to my Creator. My life belongs to my Sustainer. My life belongs to You, Lord. Have Your way in my life. That's God's heart for us. Church, He wants us to know the joy of, and the fulfillment of family, of friends, of the church, of, of being fulfilled in this life. And church, it doesn't have to wait until we get to heaven. <laughs> Amen? That abundant life starts the moment that we accept Christ Jesus and we begin to say, Lord, work out the dross in my life. Turn up that Holy Spirit fire. Bring that dross to the surface and skim it out of my life that I can be what you want me to be and, Lord, experience the abundant life that you've promised for me. Church, I love this scene. And I want, I want to read one more note that I have in my Bible. 
Jesus breaks seal after seal in order that righteousness and deliverance be established on earth. At the seventh seal, there are seven trumpet sounds and seven judgments. With each trumpet sound, the world is being rid of unrighteousness. God's expelling by His wrath everything that has chosen to alienate itself from Him. God will not allow His beloved creation, mankind, to be ruled by the powers of Satan anymore. Hallelujah. Church, the book of Revelation isn't a book that should bring fear to your heart. Living in the last days and experiencing what the the Bible calls the beginning, the birth pains of wars and rumors of wars and pestilence, natural disasters, all these things are just signs that this book is true. It just reaffirms our faith in Jesus and what He has accomplished through the cross. And church, that these seals as they're broken, they're beginning the great deliverance of mankind and this world. And we're going to live with Him forever and ever and ever. And we're going to experience the glory of God and His plan for our lives. Not just here, not just now, but throughout eternity. God has purpose and a plan for every one of us. And we're going to gather around the throne of God. We're going to worship our King, our Savior, our Lord, our Creator. Church, I can't wait. I'm looking forward to that. And with all that we're going through right now, and as I read this chapter, I'm just so excited and anticipating, Lord, I want You. I want more of You, Lord. Lord, come. Lord, Let those seals begin to break. Lord, bring it into this world and begin to rid this world of the sickness and the sin and the liar and the thief that has brought destruction to mankind. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. Bow your head with me. Lord Jesus, we just commit our hearts and our lives to You today. Lord, we love You. We praise You. Lord, we thank You for the truth that we've read today. And Lord, if there's anyone that's never made a commitment, I ask right now that they just say yes to You. They say yes and ask You to be their Lord, to be their Savior, to forgive them of their sin, to cleanse them of all unrighteousness. And Lord, to empower them to live for You. And Lord, right now, if there are those that are sick in body, we lift them up because You paid the price for our healing. Lord, by Your stripes we were healed. That's what Your Word says. Lord, there are those today that need a healing touch. And in Jesus' mighty name, I ask right now that the Holy Spirit of God that's moving around this world would enter in right now to that home, to that car, wherever they are at this moment. And Lord, You would bring Your mighty healing deliverance to their bodies. Lord, if there are those that are struggling with something that's controlling their lives, it can be an addiction, 
It can be something they've made into an idol in their life. Whatever's trying to rule their life, right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, Lord God, to just break any stronghold in the life of your children. Break anything that's trying to master their lives. And Lord Jesus, bring your freedom to them in in every area of their life, Lord. Bring your freedom. And Lord, I just rejoice, Lord, that you are our protector. I pray for everyone who's watching this, Lord, right now, everyone who's a member of our church family, that you would bless them, that you would protect them, Lord. Keep your hand upon them. Lord, just let your favor be on them. Lord, I just ask these things in your precious and your wonderful name. Amen. Now I want you to join the word.